My name is Jennifer and I will be guiding you through the audio experience that is Dream, Dream Infringement. Now I'm only one third of the hosts, so you are just hanging out with me tonight. Or, I mean, who knows, maybe you wanted an hour of, of me time. And if that's the case, thank you. If that is not the case, then just hold on tight. My co-hosts will be jumping back on the microphones soon. So my lovely listeners, what should I entertain you with tonight? Hmm. I'm going to go with the old favorite, weird news that's recently been making headlines. But first up, I'm going to play you a song. This one has been getting a lot of airplay, so it's stuck in my head. So I'm passing that on to you. It is singer Willow and Tyler Cole performing as the group The Anxiety. This is Meet Me at Our Spot. So my first weird news article, the headline, Austin car dealer, murder for hire suspect, caught after he wrote a positive internet review for one of the alleged hitmen. What did he write? He does great murder. He really goes the extra mile. Five stars. Well, not quite. What he actually wrote was... Spear Tip is very professional and on top of it. They get the job done in an expedited time. Couldn't imagine using anyone else. Okay, so this was left by Eric Charles Mond, who was arrested this week after allegedly hiring a contract killer to murder his ex-girlfriend and her former boyfriend. Mond, who is married, soon to be not married, uh, if I can call that one, he reached out to his ex, Holly Williams, about visiting on his upcoming trip to Nashville. Upon hearing of the messages, Williams' estranged boyfriend allegedly messaged Mond asking for hush money and threatening to expose the relationship if it wasn't received. So how would someone's estranged boyfriend know this? Was he like a stalker getting into her DMs? Or was it like a honey trap situation where she was in on the blackmail? It doesn't say. But about a month later, after Mond received the threat of having his extramarital relationship exposed, he and the ex-girlfriend were found dead at a construction site. Mond allegedly hired three men from a place called Spear Tip Security to do the murdering. You know, if I were the police, I'd investigate everyone who clicked on yes where it says was this review helpful I'd be like um yeah so tell me how helpful was it exactly any missing people in your life recently mm, any big checks written for some sudden security needs yeah let's talk about that some people just make bad life decisions and then continue to make them Till they can't make them anymore because they are in prison for making bad decisions. 
This song is by Renee and it is called Sales. So first the headline seemed ridiculous. Then I realized that this is a crime that was committed by a person who is mentally ill or on something of an illegal nature or both. But I think it shows what brains can get up to when they're not firing on all cylinders or addiction or medication is not being properly managed. This arrest will hopefully see this man get back on track. So moments after robbing a Wells Fargo branch in Delaware, a man deposited some of the stolen money in the ATM outside the bank's front door. Investigators say the 44-year-old man approached a teller Saturday morning at a crowded Wells Fargo bank and handed her a note reading, This is a robbery. I need $150. After the bank employee provided the man with cash, he fled the bank, made his deposit, and fled to a nearby shopping center where he was taken into custody by state troopers. During a post-arrest interview, Williams reportedly confessed to the bank robbery and said that the stolen cash was immediately deposited back to the Wells Fargo. He claimed to have traveled to Delaware by riding on the exterior of a cargo train and that his mind is currently being controlled by a third party via an implant located somewhere in his body. So that kind of paranoia seems to be a common delusion or hallucination. And if you really kind of blur the logic, I think it's possible for someone to believe it's not a crime if you take from the bank and give it back to the bank without really comprehending that taking from the bank and putting it in your own personal account still qualifies as theft. But uh, like I said, hopefully he gets the help he needs to kind of come back to this realm of reality. This song is called Anxiety. It's by Julia Michaels featuring Selena Gomez. But all my friends, they don't know what it's like, what it's like. They don't understand why I can't sleep through the night. I've been told that I could take something to fix. Okay, so if you're robbing someplace, and say someone else comes and like throws a few things in your getaway bag, does it count if they just kind of slip their crime in with your crime? Like it is your crime. They just saw an opportunity with something that was already in progress. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. A male manager at a Kwai Chung branch of the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China was arrested for transferring $1.7 million to his own account. The 59-year-old man was arrested for obtaining property by deception. They believe that Wong learned of a number of bank accounts suspected of being used for money laundering that had been frozen during investigations. After the probe finished, the accounts were unfrozen. Wong apparently thought, okay, so like no way will they touch crime money. Like that money is just sitting there, languishing away really, and that's a shame, when some of it could obviously help me with my retirement fund. So with this belief that the account holders would not dare touch the deposits, maybe he thought, I don't mind if I do, and he did. 
He's been released on bail pending investigation and has to report to the police early next month. The crime is still under investigation. Which my second thought is, okay, so if you have crime people who are laundering money and you steal their money, I feel like those people are probably more scary than the police are. I mean, couldn't they just like disappear and unalive him? I'm just wondering. The song is by Sierra. It is Level Up. Five, four, three, two, one. Let go. Level Up. Level up, 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 level up. All this on me so yummy. How? How did I not know of a huge group of people living underground in tunnels under Las Vegas? How did this slip by me? I love this kind of odd information. So the article that I read kept calling them the mole people, but I just don't really think that fits. It's not like they're burrowing underground. So it's like, we could call them citizens of the underground, the Vegas nightcrawlers, the hibernating homeless, the cave crew. I kind of like the cave crew. It makes it sound like they have a band. Anyhow, and yet another weird thing, climate change threatens. Oh my goodness. I'm getting a call from Miriam as I'm recording this. Hold everything. Hello. Where was I? Was I complaining about climate change? Possibly. So you might ask yourself, how did it get there? In 1975, a summer monsoon caused a flash flood in the Las Vegas Valley that caused a lot of damage. So to prevent floods like it, the state began building an extensive network of tunnels beneath the city that would redirect the water underground. There are more than 200 miles of tunnels that run beneath the city and have become home to the state's homeless. Experts estimate that around 300 people live there, but I don't know if that estimate was before or after uh, COVID. This is a problem when you live in tunnels designed to flood during heavy rainfalls. Yet another odd thing climate change threatens. A bustling underground community living beneath the city. Las Vegas itself has one of the worst rates of urban homelessness in the United States. There are about 5,500 homeless in the city, but only 2,000 shelter beds. And you better be using those beds because in 2019, they made a rule that you can't sleep on certain streets if there are shelter beds available. Apparently, they got irritated with people saying there's 5,000 homeless, there's 2,000 shelter beds. And they're like, <laughs> people are complaining there's not enough shelter beds and the homeless aren't using the shelter beds. There are. So you can only complain once they are at capacity. Then we'll think about it. I don't know. That's my, my mental vision of the board meeting or whatever that went down there. So yeah, maybe if we build some, some tunnels under our cities, it would clear up the greenway. Sadly, it wouldn't clear up the issues that cause the issue of the Greenway in the first place. This song is by The Weeknd. It's called Blinded by the Lights. Get it? Like, you live underground, you come out, and you're like, whoa, it's bright. You're blinded by the lights. It's appropriate. In my head, it's appropriate. Oh, I'm not 
this one comes from the UK. A senior barrister who sued the Crown Prosecution Service after a colleague asked him to stop breaking wind in the room they worked in together has lost his case. Well, partially. Tariq Mohammed sued for harassment. He also alleged he was discriminated against because of his disabilities and made a number of further allegations against his co-workers and bosses. So there's kind of two separate parties, his workplace and then one specific co-worker. So for the backstory, back story, get it? One should know that in 2014, he suffered a heart attack, which left him having to take daily medication. And the unfortunate side effect was frequent flatulence. This wasn't quite an issue until 2016, when he began sharing an office with Paul McGorry, a small office. There were repeated incidents of flatulence in the quiet room. On one occasion, Mr. McGorry asked Mr. Mohammed, do you have to do that, Tariq? Mohammed said it was due to his medication, and when asked if he could step outside to do it, he said he could not. Though Mr. McGorry was aware of the heart attack, he was previously unaware of its gaseous side effects. Mr. Mohammed stated Paul McGorry was embarrassing and violated his dignity. Violating. Violating. Do you want to talk about violating? Ask poor Paul McGorry, who had to share the office with him. He, he was violated daily, multiple times, nay, assaulted. His olfactory senses were repeatedly assaulted. So I feel like he has justification for a countersuit. But employment judge Emma Hawksworth found it was a reasonable request of his colleague to make, given the size of the office that they shared and the repetitive nature of the flatulence. I'm rather curious when he's like, could you do that outside? And he was like, absolutely not. I mean, was it physically hard for him to like walk outside? Was he like, what if I walk outside and people hear it? That would be embarrassing. And poor Paul is like, <laughs> help me uh, against the foggy windows of the office. Let me out. Uh. Tariq also accused coworkers and bosses of discriminating against him by deliberately throwing his water bottles away when he left them on a shared desk and asking him to commute long distances and some other things that were difficult due to his heart condition. So they did find the CPS guilty of discrimination by failing to make reasonable adjustments to help him manage. And they also threw out the claims of harassment and victimization saying, many of the incidents about which he complains were unrelated to his disability or were caused or aggravated by him overreacting. So they were basically like, to use the slang term, you're the office Karen. The song is by the Noisettes and it is called Never Forget. I'm calling in sick today. Well, we 
just reached a little over the halfway mark. This is dream infringement. To be more precise, one third of the trio that is dream infringement, which is me, Jennifer, the person who is speaking. I thought for this show I would read some weird news stories and joke about them, kind of, and then play songs that are overused on TikTok. Yep, I decided to let TikTok essentially create the playlist for today. It seemed like a good pairing at the time. I'm undecided though whether I think my idea to do that was a good or bad one. But thank goodness for our kind and benevolent listeners who forgive minor musical mishaps. Thank you. And back to the show. So I know vaccinations are a controversial issue, but can I just talk about some of the hijinks happening? I gotta get it out of my system. So in Italy, a man bought a very expensive prosthetic arm because he wanted the documentation that he'd been vaccinated without actually getting vaccinated. And though the arm looked real, the nurse kind of fell for it at first, the arm did not feel real. He was caught out. Yep. So that was an investment that did not end up being worth it. Uh, Another man was in the news for getting vaccinated up to 10 times in a day on behalf of other people. He went to several different centers, got the documentation from it, and then was paid by those people. Auckland University professor Nikki Turner, medical director of the Immunization Advisory Center, said there's no data on the safety of receiving that many vaccines in one day. She didn't add, until now, but I guess they'll watch him and see what happens to him. Uh, But it's a really dangerous thing to have a fake card. There was a recent incident in France where a 57-year-old woman was admitted to the hospital for COVID and showed them a fake vaccination certificate. The staff could not figure out why her case was so severe for a vaccinated person. They were doing a lot of additional tests, trying to figure out why she was deteriorating so quickly. And they finally did an antibody test and were like, no, but it was too late for the doctors to change her treatment and she died soon after. They said if they had known sooner, they would have prescribed a treatment based on neutralizing antibodies, something they obviously did not think of because they thought she was vaccinated. Even like when I got my booster shot, the pharmacist said she had a close friend approach her asking if she'd falsify documentation for her kid. And like, what close friend asks you to put your entire career and possibly other people's lives at stake? She obviously declined, but sheesh, sheesh, I tell you. So don't fake documents, don't buy a prosthetic arm, don't get a bunch of, (laughs) don't get too many vaccination shots either not a good idea. I'm going to play a song by BTS called Permission to Dance. Do not have permission to fake your vaccination card. You do have permission to dance. heard of the charges of DWI or DUI, 
driving while intoxicated. This could be classified as a WWI, which is wandering while intoxicated. This happened in a Singapore apartment complex. A 33-year-old man, identified as Abdullah, ended up with a two-month jail sentence for his drunken escapade. He staggered into a unit on the 15th floor around 8 a.m., waking up a 34-year-old man who shouted, Who are you? What are you doing? And Abdullah ignored him, opened a window, and then left. The victim ran out and realized his kitchen had been a bit rearranged. A container of chocolates had been compromised, with pieces of chocolate scattered on the floor, and, and Abdullah had taken a bottle of prune juice from the fridge and placed it on the counter. How nefarious. Nefarious? How nefarious. Nefarious. I don't know. Anyway, how dastardly. Let's use a word I know how to say, apparently. So then he made it to the eighth floor, somehow. He ripped out some wooden planks from a gate. And I'm confused. How is there a gate on the eighth floor of a complex? Was it like a screen door? Anyhow, the 42-year-old occupant opened the door, saw Abdullah. This article comments on the fact that Abdullah wasn't wearing a shirt so frequently that I don't know if Abdullah just had a very interesting physique or culturally it's just not the thing, but <laughs> everyone makes sure to mention he was not wearing a shirt. Anyhow, the occupant said, what are you doing? Abdullah remained silent and ran away down the stairs to the seventh floor. I'm confused as the story goes on, like does no one lock their front doors? You should lock your front doors, otherwise strange, drunken, shirtless men might wander in, as happened for then a 27-year-old woman sleeping who was woken up by sounds of someone opening her door. She saw Abdullah standing in the doorway with scissors he'd taken from the dining room. That's terrifying, unless it's like those, you know, tiny plastic child safe ones. I mean, not like a pair of heavy-duty shears, that would be different. So she shouted, who are you? And he left and entered the next bedroom, like some sort of drunken Goldilocks. The next room was the first woman's 29-year-old sister. He locked the door from the inside. So the woman and her mom, who'd now woken up, were pounding on the door. The woman inside the room woke up and started screaming. And Abdullah <laughs> unlocked the door and then hid behind it. The women pushed the door, trapping him, and took away his scissors. Finally, a security guard arrived and helped out until the police came. I want to know, where was this security guard before? Abdullah said he regretted his actions and apologized for his behavior. He said he lived on the 11th floor and was intoxicated, so he got confused as to which floor he was getting off at. So, did they evict him, like, immediately? Or, I'm assuming they did, because that's just, can you imagine if he remained living there and you saw these same people on the daily? He probably doesn't remember them from that night, but they would him. Like, it would make it very awkward, so. 
The district judge, Paul Chan, noted that Abdullah said he has since taken steps to improve his life, including going for counseling. This wasn't a one-time thing, I take it. However, the offenses occurred early in the morning. It said it occurred at 8 a.m. I'm surprised that like all these people were still asleep. I don't know about you, but just just try sleeping in in my neighborhood because like everyone's going to work or they've gotten up early to do yard work. There's diesel trucks and lawnmowers and dogs and buses. In an apartment complex, I know there's a different dynamic, but surely there has to be some activity. The judge continued where the residents were expected to be asleep and could not defend themselves if necessary. I don't really see what difference that makes, crime-wise. I mean, if he staggered into the rooms at like 7 p.m., that's still criminal trespass, but it is more terrifying (laughs) when you're woken up out of a dead sleep with like a man standing over you with scissors versus if you were like, I guess, eating dinner and someone barged in, you would feel a little bit more prepared, I suppose. Anyhow, (laughs) the takeaway, don't get blackout drunk and wander around an apartment complex where no one locks their front doors. It's a bad combination. The song I'm going to play is by Harry Styles. It is called Watermelon Sugar. He keeps saying like watermelon sugar high. This guy needs no more watermelon sugar highs. We just got to keep it watermelon sugar low. I don't know if I could ever go Laura Oglesby, a 48-year-old woman in Missouri, pled guilty to fraud charges. Uh, She spent two years from 2016 to 2018 impersonating her estranged 22-year-old daughter. She enrolled in college, took out some college loans, got a social security card and a new driver's license. She lived in a small town. She was able to convince the local residents she was 22. I get this image of Drew Barrymore and Never Been Kissed, where she's like, I'm a student. I'm in high school. (laughs) She worked at a local library and lived with a couple who believed she was a young woman running away from an abusive relationship. That's a nice, creditable backstory. Uh, She made Snapchat accounts. She started dating guys in their 20s. She kept with the clothing and makeup trends of the 22-year-olds and definitely immatured down to a 22-year-old age level. But once convicted, she faces a possible five years in prison and has to pay $17,521 in restitution to her daughter and the university. So I pulled up the pictures because 48, 22, like what? And though I would say she doesn't look 22, maybe maybe a 22 who's had like a really hard life and like way too many tanning bed sessions, but unbelievably it's her daughter who looks like she's the 48 year old trying to fake being 22. The mom does look younger than her daughter. So there is that. 
and I think I can begin to understand why her daughter was estranged from her. And, I mean, I get the mom's perspective. Like, it would be kind of nice to be like, Taylor doesn't live here anymore. The old Taylor is dead. She literally just gave herself a do-over, a reset, a reincarnation, her own <laughs> private witness protection program. It doesn't state what her end game was, like how far she was going to, to take this alternate life. But I imagine being forced back into her old life with restitution and a felony conviction it would be pretty bleak and depressing. You know, people say that phrase a lot, if only I knew then what I know now. And she was able to go back in time with the knowledge that she had from this whole previous experienced life. And it's interesting to see her life choices, which was like go to college, work and support herself and, you know, kind of all these all these things, which I'm guessing maybe she was partying the first time around and didn't do those things, perhaps. And so that maybe there's a lesson to be learned in that as well. The song I'm playing is a cover song of It's My Life, and it is by Sandaru Sathsara. I kind of imagine it as a duet between the mother and the daughter, where the daughter's like, it is my life. So like, stop trying to take it over and then the mother's like but it's my life and it's now or never I'm not gonna live forever so I'm gonna live while I'm alive your life or something kind of like that it's my life it's now or never but I ain't gonna live Warranty expired, service repair costs too high, that's it. It's time to blow up the Tesla. At least that's the conclusion from Finlander Thomas Katanen. For good measure, he did put a semi-life-sized doll of Elon Musk in the car first, just in case the message wasn't absolutely clear. According to the video, Kitanen started experiencing a lot of issues with the car. He was forced to tow the car to his nearest Tesla dealership, with the car flashing a number of error codes on the dashboard. After waiting an entire month for feedback, Tesla told him that they would have to replace the car battery at a cost of $22,480. His eight-year-old Model S was long since out of warranty, which means the cost would fall squarely on him. So I think in a not very well researched uh, <laughs> effort that the value of this car is currently worth around 69000 to 94000 So can you imagine having to spend about a third of what your car was worth to buy a battery for it? Well, I mean, that's almost true in my case, but that's because my car is significantly less expensive than even the battery for this car is. Could he not trade it in? I mean, was it worth like a $46,000 loss to just blow it up? Apparently for him it was. So this song is called Somewhere Out There by Bruno Mars because 
Thomas knows somewhere out there is a quality yet very costly car that he will not long to blow up later out of frustration and disappointment. Talking to the moon, trying to get to you. is indeed the end of the show thank you so very much for listening and if you want to hear past episodes uh, you can hit up itunes or soundcloud or pretty much any podcast playing type app just type in dream infringement and be sure to check out the kskq website for updates about the station and you can see the weekly viewing schedule see if there might be a show or two or three that catches your listening fancy. Anyhow, thank you again so much for listening. Jennifer, 